A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 66 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode today with another great guest. But first, let's bring on my awesome co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, not too much, Eric. Just uh, another day in the Toolshed. Get to talk some baseball, talking some good news and notes today. We've had a ton of movement around the league, so it's going to be a fun episode. We have a great guest, like you mentioned. So it's going to be a good show. I'm really looking forward to it. As am I, and uh, as people probably realize, we have a new intro, a new musical intro here for the Tool Shed. Figured it was time to make a change. Uh, we got to do a big shout out to Van Lee for making that for us. Good buddy, Van. Check out all three of the podcasts he's on. You got Nasty Cast, you got Launch Angle, and you got the the uh, Dynasty. I almost called it the Fantrax Dynasty Show. That's what it used to be called, the Dynasty Baseball Show. So big shout out to Van. Love all the podcasts he does. Launch Angle is great. Nasty Cast is great. So. Big shout out to Van. Go check out those podcasts as well. But now let's bring on our guest. You can find his work on NBC Sports Edge and on the Bases Loaded podcast. This is someone that both Chris and I met out at First Pitch Arizona last month. He's not only a great analyst and fantasy player, but also one of the kindest and most genuine people in the industry. George Montanus joins us today. George, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Happy and excited to be here with you guys. I mean, it, it was a pleasure meeting you guys in, in Arizona. We had fun out there. Um, so that that was really cool. And, and uh, I can't wait to hang out again uh, next year. And then you you only confused me even more because, you know, I used to always think your name was Jorge. And then you're like, no, it's George. <laughs> and then like that conversation that you and I had during uh, before poker started now just confused yeah. me even more. So I'm still not 100% sure if your name is actually Jorge or George. <laughs> so i mean I, I honestly don't mind either way um it, it's funny because I, I got asked that so many times in in arizona i started thinking like maybe i should come up with a whole new persona for each name right <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no i mean I, I i really don't mind most people just call me george um yeah i mean my, the, my parents gave me the name jorge so 
I mean, Jorge works just fine too. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like your, your little brother or like a little cousin or something started calling you George. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. So I mean, stuck. I, I, it's funny because I was always Jorge gar- growing up. And then uh, once I uh, was in high school, my friends just started calling me George. And uh, my, my brothers, my little brothers would hear that. And so they started calling me George. And it just kind of stuck with everybody. <laughs> like, even my mom started calling me George. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's funny how those those stories come to be. Like, I used to have uh, this girl that uh, my, my best friend dated in high school. Her mother always called me Chris. Which is funny because that's what my parents wanted to name me at first was Chris. I'd be Chris Cross. Um, but if she all, even though she knew my name was Eric, she always called me Chris. To this day, I'll run into – she lives in the next town over. I'll run into her like every several months you know, at the grocery store or whatever. And she'll still call me Chris. I just, I just haven't corrected her yet. It's kind of fun. But, um, yeah, I'll, those are always funny little stories here. But let's, we got a jam-packed show today, a lot of news and notes. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find all of us on Twitter – George is at Roto underscore Nino. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both Chris and I. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. Let's get right into it here. As I said, we have a lot of news and notes to talk about. It's been a very busy week, really a busy last few days. Like last three, four days have been jam-packed with signings and rumors and whatnot. Uh, let's start with the kind of the, one of the bigger ones here. A couple extensions over the last week. Wander Franco extended by the Tampa Bay Rays. 11 years, $185 million total with an option for a 12th year, which could put it up to, I think it was like 223 or 224 million as a 20 year old. This is, you know, this has been a lot of like back and forth on Twitter. If this was a good deal for him or not, but Hey, I think, I think Chris, I think you said this something like this on Twitter as well. Like if you're a 20 year old passing up that type of contract, you're crazy. But um, right now Wander's going pretty high. In eight in uh, early drafts, there's been 22 drafts so far on NFBC ADP of 47.9, eighth shortstop off the board. George, do you think that's a good spot for him to be in 2022 for ADP, or do you think that's a little high? Well, I mean, I I understand the hype, right? But uh, I mean, personally, I, I think that is a bit higher than I would be willing to take him. You know, you're looking at you know fourth round pick maybe even end of the third if you're looking at a 15 teamer where you might have to take him and uh we know what his carrying tool is right i mean he's got one of the best hit tools uh in the game but you know steamer has a projected for 19 home runs 10 steals 85 runs 84 rbi i i think you know that's that's a pretty good uh pretty good projection there and i mean you're if you're talking about top 50 pick you know i i think um yeah i'm gonna want a little bit more power and speed there at that spot yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, I think that the uh, steamer projections, that's pretty solid. It maybe maybe gives you a little more average. I can see him hitting over 300 for sure with that hit tool. But yeah, I was thinking around 20 and 10, give or take, which you know, that's a really solid line. That's still a top, yeah, at least a top 60 to 70 line. But yeah, I think he's going around or so too high for me right now, especially given the other options there. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? 100%. I won't. I don't think I'll have any shares of him in a redraft league this year. I think that this, the power is just not there yet. I'm not saying it can't get there, but even still, 
I just can't get on board with that at that price. Yeah, I think you're going to get a high batting average floor. Like that's that's a safe bet. But you know, if you're not getting a ton of power speed at that in the fourth round pick, then I'm about to pass up. I think there's some safer bets there. Even though I really like Wander, I think he could develop and be a first round talent long term. I'm just not there on this year, so now I'll be passing up. And yes, can we just stop talking about him not shouldn't have taken this extension? Like that's ludicrous to say that yeah. he shouldn't have taken this extension. Are you kidding me? The man has played two months, three months in the MLB and just got an 11 year deal. We got $185 million. Any player in baseball would take that deal. Let's be honest. So we can put that to bed up to 224 million. Yeah. He he's, he's very smart for taking that deal. Yeah. And he'll still be like 31 or whatever. When, when that 32, it's, he still sign another contract. It's not like yeah. this will be the last contract he ever signed. Exactly. Yeah, could, could he end up being more mm-hmm. valuable than the, than the AAV on it? Sure. But he also could blow out his knee or not be as good as we thought. Like we never know. That's why you know, baseball is the hardest game to, into play in the world. I think, or at least to be to play at an elite level. So yeah, I would take this every damn day. Uh, if I was wonder Franco, uh, moving over to a more of a dynasty outlook on him, Chris. I'll go to you first on this one. Do you think it's a good time to maybe entertain selling him in dynasty? Because you look at where he's gone in, in a lot of you know dynasty drafts and dynasty mock drafts recently. It's anywhere from like the seven to eight range into the 13, 14 range. So average, right around ten. I think I have him ranked right there in my dynasty rankings too. But is there that next level? Like, can he get up to be a top five dynasty guy? You and I kind of talked about this on our dynasty debate last week that we don't think that he can. Like, I just recently traded him away in my keeper, you know, keeper league, but I got Brandon Woodruff and a draft pick that I'm going to use to take Bobby Witt Jr., who I think is a higher dynasty upside long term. So, you think it's wise for people that have Wander right now to maybe entertain selling high on him? I would 100% because I think you can net yourself an easy top 10 dynasty asset. And honestly, I just don't see any anywhere for him to go up. Like you look at the guys ahead of him, he he's not going to move up in my dynasty rankings unless a lot changes. But there's so much room for him to move down. Like it, imagine the season if he does he only hit 20 home runs and still 10 bases. Like in the eyes of a dynasty owner, like he's going to lose a lot of value because I think people are expecting him to be like a 30, 15, 300 guy. And I think the expectation is just so high that you can get a lot for him. And in a di- in an expert dynasty league, I before he even debuted, this was before last season, he, Wander went straight up for Mookie Betts, which I know you look back now and Mookie had a down year, but I, I don't know. I think now he's worth even more where you could get like a Jose Ramirez type. Like if you're in a win now mode, like that's a great move. Or I'd package Wander with something to get try to get a Tatis or Soto type player. And I would absolutely love that if I could do that. Because I just think that, yeah, Wander's an extremely high floor player, but I'm not sure he really reaches those expectations that so many fantasy owners expect him to hit. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think he's going to be like Aussie Albies with, you know, a little more bat or about 30, 25, 30 more points in batting average. So I think he's a guy like a settle in as like a, you know, 12 to 20 kind of dynasty guy. But yeah, I think where his his value is right now, it might be the highest it ever is. Yeah, could he could get more power. Sure, he could be a 30 home run guy. I won't rule that out. But yeah, I'm definitely looking to sell him right now. Not okay. When I say sell, don't take that as like get rid of him at all costs. Obviously, get great value for him. But yeah, I definitely would be at least be like listening to offers right now. Uh, George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, right in in step with you guys. I, I I agree. I mean, I think right now would probably be a really good opportunity to go ahead and and entertain selling high on uh, Franco in Dynasty, especially if you're looking to contend this year. Uh, because yeah, like like uh, Chris, you mentioned 
you can probably get someone like a Jose Ramirez. Maybe you can get a Trevor Story plus or, uh, you know, someone who can give you a little more speed that is probably going to match him in power um, and then some, you know. And so, yeah, if you're contending, if you're looking to contend this year, I, absolutely, I would, I would be looking to, uh, you know, see what you can get. Absolutely. Uh, moving on here to the other big extension over the last week, the Miami Marlins extended their ace, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Alcantara five years, $55 million. Great value there for Miami for what he can bring to the table. They're only $11 million a year on average. You know, I, I think we're all pretty big Alcantara guys on this podcast. I think, George, both you and I had similar tweets that on that morning when he got, had the extension. So I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, but are you buying the Alcantara that we saw you know, like, you know, second half of the year when he made those, you know, changes to the you know pitch usage and the, the whiff rate went up, especially on the slider and the changeup. Are you buying late season Alcantara? And do you think he can be a, a top 10 arm this year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you take a look at the last 80 innings where he raised his slider usage up by about 10 points from 20% right to right around 30%. Those last 80 innings, 3.04 ERA, 095 whip, 21.3% uh, strikeout rate before August and uh, went up to 28.4%, 15.1% swinging strike rate. I mean, it, he was absolutely lights out and, and really took that his game to the next step in getting those strikeouts. Now, even if we don't see the pitch mix change like change as drastically, even if we don't see like a thirty percent uh, on the slider, maybe if it's like right in the middle, twenty five percent, we're looking at a, a strikeout per inning, a guy that's gonna probably you know be among the leaders in innings pitched, um, incredible control. He's got that gr uh, good ground ball rate. I mean, he's got everything that you want in an ace, and so like he's the reason why you want one of the first picks in the draft because if you can get one of the top guys, one of the top, you know, power speed threats in Turner, Tatis, Bichette, Ramirez, you come around in the back end of the second or top of the third with a Sandy Alcantara. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of difference. I mean, other than maybe wins between guys, someone like Wheeler and Bueller who are going in the, you know, end of the first uh, start of the second, you know, you look at someone like Alcantara and, and I, I think he's, you know, he could be right up there with those guys by season's end. Oh, 100% agree. I was going to mention Walker Bueller, too. So I think even if he's not quite like close to 30% K rate, like you mentioned, I think 26, 27, 28% is still pretty realistic for what, you know, the type of arsenal and type of pitcher he is. And he had a, uh, what was a 95th percentile chaser. So he can get batters to chase outside the zone. So if he can at least get 26, 27%, that's right where Walker Bueller was. So yeah, maybe Bueller, like you said, a little more wins, maybe slightly lower ERA, but still pretty close. But I don't see the reason why there's a, let's see, Bueller is right now 13.4 ADP and Alcantara is 41.9. So basically almost two full rounds later for Alcantara. So for I don't think there's a two-round gap there. Like Bueller's the SP4 right now behind, uh, well, uh, SP3 technically. Otani's ahead of him, but for pitchers only, it's really him behind Burns and Garrett Cole. And Alcantara is the SP14 right now. So I would much rather wait a round or two and get a guy like Alcantara as opposed to, and I love Walker Bueller. This is not a knock against Walker Bueller at all. I love Walker Bueller and definitely think he's one of the best pitchers in the game, but I don't think there's a two-round gap between these two guys. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and as you mentioned that, I just pulled it up. 
Uh, Steamer projects Alcantara to have a better ERA at three six three. Really? Yep. Okay. Bueller Bueller at where to go three seven nine. Obviously, oh, wow. those are high. More, yeah, a couple <laughs> more strikeouts for uh, for Bueller. They're projecting Alcantara two hundred Ks, two hundred innings, and Bueller one hundred ninety eight one hundred ninety eight innings and two hundred fourteen Ks. But like you said, the difference is pretty negligible there. Where and I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously Bueller gets more wins on the the Dodgers, but. You never know. Wins are so fluky that Alcantara could easily have as many as him next year. And so you're right. I think that that's the kind of way to go. I'm all in. He's been super consistent. Even if he is a 25% strikeout rate guy, I think he's worthy of being a top 10 arm, and he's that valuable because he's just been that consistent and that good throughout his career. And he's fallen under the radar for so long, and now he's finally getting the respect that he deserves. Yeah, my favorite little stat or whatever that shows how fluky wins are Last year, Brent Studer had more wins than Corbin Burns, like a reliever, <laughs> right. a, you know, a, a good reliever, you know, obviously, but uh, had more wins than the National League Cy Young Award winner who had, you know, in the phenomenal year with like a 1.6 FIP or something like that. So, yeah, wins are very, very fluky. Absolutely. Now, Chris, do you think, you know, this level is sustainable for Al- Alcantara long term? Do you think he can be a one of those like no doubt year after year top 10 kind of dynasty arms that you can build your staff around? I think so. I mean, because he's done it every year and the strikeout rates have improved each year and the ERAs have been super low. So, you know, even in his worst year at 2019, still had a 388 ERA in 197 innings. That was at 23 years old. He's still developing and he's continued to develop since then. So, yeah, I, I think he's, you could easily build around him. Now, at this point, who would you rather have in Dynasty Leagues, Alcantara or Julio Urias? I'll take Urias. I think there's just so much upside there, and we we saw it this year. All right, how about uh, Alcantara or Bieber? Bieber, still Bieber. Okay, I'm trying yeah. to find one. How about uh, Alcantara or Giolito? Uh, Alcantara. Last one, Alcantara or Nola? Oh, you know I love Nola. I know you do. <laughs> That's why I was saving Nola. They're pretty close. I, I could see them being pretty comparable values going forward. So I'll, I'll call it a push. Oh, no, 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 I am not letting you get out with a punch. I'll, I'll take Nola, but it's, Ooh, close. Okay. it's very, very close. I, I still believe in Nola. George, how about you? How do you value Alcantara in terms of those guys I just mentioned? So I I would take him ahead of, of Urias. Um, for me personally, I think that we saw the best of Urias this year. I'm not too sure there's another level there, which is still a very good pitcher. But I, I just think that the ceiling is just a little higher for Alcantara. I think that, uh, you know, he's obviously like a workhorse that you could trust for two. I think he's going to be someone you could trust for 200 innings for multiple years. Um, now, Nola is a little tougher. I I, I think, I mean, I, I'm with Chris. I, I love Aaron Nola. Um, we've seen him have that. Because we, we've seen him do it. We've seen him have a, you know, 12K per nine season. And uh yeah, so I, I think I'm going to side with Nola there, uh, but I think I'm going to take Alcantara over Bieber at this point. Yeah, Bieber was a hard one for me to to rank. Obviously, he was mm-hmm. still had a pretty good year. Like the K's were still there, but the ERA ticked up a good amount. So yeah, he's when when I've done my my top 150 starting pitcher ranks for this year, even in my dynasty ranks too. It's like I don't I keep moving them like up and down. Like it fluctuates depending on what day how I think about Bieber, but. Yeah, I think he's definitely in that in that mix. I would take him over Urias. I would take him over Nola. Um, all of this is very close, and I think I still take Bieber over him. But even that's pretty closer. They're they're all in the same like seven to kind of ten or eleven cluster for me. All you know, mm-hmm. solid 
aces long-term for sure. Uh, moving on to a guy that used to be an ace for a long, long time, now is 38 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery, but still very intriguing arm for 2022 at least. Justin Verlander re-signed with the Houston Astros, one year 25, could be up to as much as two at 50. George, are you are you targeting Verlander this year? Is he a guy that you're looking at? Because I think, let's see, his ADP right now is 143.9, which is, you know, I think fair. I, I don't think that's too high or too low. I think that's the general. I, I was going to say about 150 range on Verlander. You know, he had a coming off of two very, arguably two of his best years before the, you know, surgery um, that kept him out for most of 2020. He had a 252 ERA in 2018, 258 in 2019. You know, all the ERA indicators back those up. He had two of his th- top three. Uh, years in terms of strikeout minus walk rate so he was absolutely you know one of the top three or four arms in the game before his injury in 2020 do you think he can still be a let's say a top you know three arm on a fantasy staff in 2022 oh man that's tough um because i mean we haven't seen verlander for two seasons now he he's missed and um i mean right now yeah his his adp is 143 but he's got a min pick of 78 now I wonder how many, uh, you know, how many picks have come, you know, after he resigned, um, and I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, if, if he's going at one forty three, I don't mind taking a shot on Verlander. But if he's going any higher than that, I, I think he's just going to be one of those guys where I'm either going to have to see it first in, in spring training. Um, and but the, the the thing is, the problem is, if you you see him coming out, you know, firing in spring training, he's not going there. I mean, he's he's going to be a top one hundred pick, and so he just might be one of those guys that, if he succeeds, it's probably not going to be on my teams. Chris, how about you? What are your thoughts on Verlander for twenty twenty two? Yeah, I think if you want to get him at a good price, you got to draft now. I think he's only going to go up. You know, you look and you see, we hear him throw in, we hear him having the good velocity, and you see him in, in, in the spring when he's dealing. And yeah, that price is really going to go up. I almost wonder if he'll be affected by not having the sticky stuff. I'm very curious. And I have no like intuition that he was using it, but you never know. I mean, it's highly possible and that it's going to be different for him coming back and throwing now. So maybe he works it out beforehand, but yeah, I'll be pretty interested to see how he comes back. And obviously, you know, in Houston still, so that's a good place for him where he really thrived in the past. I think he can still have a high end season. Like I think he's worthy of a pick around 125, but I'm not sure I'd go like up to 78. I don't know if I could do that. So yeah, I'm in on him to an extent at the right cost. Yeah, no, same here. 78 is way too high. And I just pulled up, uh, I adjusted the ADP, to be from when he signed. And I'm not sure if this is right. It says there's only been four drafts on NFBC since the 17th. So this might not be 100% accurate, but his ADP has gone up. Now the uh, the min pick is still 78. Max pick's 143. So his max pick is now what his ADP used to be. And the ADP is now 110.5. So, you know, and that's probably just a key push. I could see him being top 100. Like if he, if he did ADP for like January 1st on, I bet you he's top 100, somewhere in the 90 range. That might be a bit too high for me. Like I've said, you know, in a tweet, I love Verlander. I think he could still be a top. I think he could be a top 30 arm this year. You know, low ratio, still get a lot of strikeouts. Um, so I, I'm still in on him, but I think he might get pushed up too high for me as well. Um, so I, I want to see where he falls in drafts. Post 100, you know, 110, 120, like you said, Chris, I think I could do that. But yeah, if it's top 100, I think I might be out on that price range for sure. 
Uh, moving on to a few relievers here that signed over the last couple of days. Hector Neris also went uh, to Houston, two years, $17 million. Kendall Graveman to the White Sox. That's an absolutely loaded, loaded bullpen. I'm uh, sorry, loaded arm barn they mm. have there with the, with the White Sox. E- even if, you know, when they get rid of Kimbrel via trade, which has been the rumor for, you know, ever since they uh, basically the beginning of the offseason, that's still a very, very good bullpen. You know, Hendricks, Graveman, Bummer, uh, Crochet, you know, others that could reach on Ryan Tapera. This is a very, very good bullpen there. Uh, George, I'll kick it over to you here. Uh, are these guys good targets in leagues that value holds? Um, now, as far as Graveman goes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Kendall Graveman there said, I mean, the, the thing about the Graveman signing is, uh, it, yeah, they have Craig Kimbrell, but I mean, the writing's pretty much on the wall that, you know, they're going to trade him. Uh, yeah. I think that, you know, over the next couple of months, we're going to see Kimbrell find a new home where, you know, he's likely going to be the closer where he does go. And so, you know, if Graveman, Graveman steps in right there as the setup guy for uh, Liam Hendricks, I mean, I think he's going to be one of the top holds guys. I think he's going to be phenomenal there. Now with Naris, I mean, you know, we, we kind of know the story uh, when it comes with, to Naris. Uh, I just, there's a lot of volatility there. We know, we know how much volatility there, there, there is with, with Naris. But I mean, you know, we saw, uh, I, I think Yimi Garcia just uh, got signed. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, him too. Yeah, so he's gone and, and Graveman is gone. So, I mean, it makes sense right now that Naris would be the setup guy. Uh, they did give Naris a pretty good contract. So, I, I mean, it is still a very good Houston team. And so I, I would count on him to get, you know, a, a good number of holds. But I probably wouldn't count on the ratios, uh, you know, as being as good as, as someone like Graveman. So, I mean, yeah, I think Naris could be a, a decent holds guy. But, yeah, Gra- Graveman for sure. I mean, this really, this really uh, looks good for him. Yeah, Naris is one of the more frustrating guys for me to watch. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll watch like one game, he's just lights out. And then the next game, it's like he's one of the most hittable arms you'll ever see. And so yeah, he's all and I think he just I think he's the all-time leader for relievers for the, in the Phillies history for strikeouts. I think I saw that. So shows like how good he's been, but yeah, mm-hmm. maddening from from outing to outing. Uh Chris, what are your thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, um, I like both the moves. I think Houston's a good spot for Naris to pick it up i think they do a good job with their pitching development obviously graveman in, in chicago is a good place as well that bullpen's loaded um but these aren't really the n- names that i look to target like in a saves hold league like i'm looking for the more under the radar guys with the good skill sets because i think graveman has built up a little bit of value and Naris might be a guy you can get cheap if, if you're in a saves hold league but you know i'm looking for the more like Guys, you're getting in the last round types, and, and maybe this is them, but like in a dynasty league, I'm just looking for like the, the next Hector Nares or next Kendall Graveman type. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of both, but not really ones that I target. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Uh, some other moves this past, more of the, more of the minor moves. Uh, St- Steven Matz went to the Cardinals, four years, $48 million, which really pissed off Steve Cohen. <laughs> we saw that on, <laughs> on Twitter. He got mad. I think it was... Was it Matt Williams posted a meme about how uh, once Cohen got off the, uh, you know, this is like, you know, obviously a mythical scenario. He got off the phone with Matt's agent after that whole thing went down. He went to uh, the new GM, Billy Apple, and was like, sign everybody. And then Apple was like, well, who do you want me to sign? He's like, sign them all. And this guy yeah. yelling at him. And then that's the next day. We'll, we'll get into this later. They signed Escobar, Kana, and Starling Marte. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, Matt's went to the Cardinals, 448. 
Kluber just signed uh, this morning. We're recording Sunday afternoon. Signed Sunday morning with Tampa Bay. One year, $8 million with incentives. I could push it up to $13 million. I like that move a lot. Uh, Michael Walker went to the Boston Red Sox one year, $7 million, uh, which I kind of like if it's for depth. But if that's the biggest arm we get this offseason, I will be very, very upset. And then a little trade here. Adam Frazier went from San Diego to Seattle for left-handed pitcher Ray Kerr and outfielder Corey Ross. I mean, I'm not sure if it's Rosier or Rossier. I think it's Rosier. Rosier. Uh, oh, it's Rosier? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I should know that. I should have known that because Celtics used to have a player named Terry Rosier. So his, <laughs> his was with a Z, not a yeah. S, I'm pretty sure. But still, yeah. I should I should have known that. Um, so let's, let's start with Matt's real quick. We don't have to go super deep into these guys, but I think Matt's is really intriguing. I'm not like – a big Mats guy. I've never been a big Mats guy. He was he's okay, but go just going from the Mats who were like a mid pack, like fifteenth to twentieth range in terms of team defense to a team that had five Gold Glove Award winners this past year in Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, uh, Nolan Arenado, of course, and then Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader out in the outfield. I think this is a nice little boost to his value. What what, what, are, what are your thoughts on Stephen Mats, George? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think you know it's a great park change, great defense behind him. I'm, I I think that um, you're looking at someone who can be you know a solid you know fifth or sixth pitcher on your roster. Um, you know nothing nothing crazy. You know I, I'm not expecting like some big breakout here or anything, but I think he's just you know could give you 160, 170 solid innings of you know maybe just under a, a four ERA. Yeah, good for SP five, SP six. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. And do um, you like that move, uh, Kluber to the Rays? You know, Kluber's still you know decent enough. I know he's had you know he missed basically almost all of 2020. Had a really down 2019, and he was injured as well. 580 ERA, but you know 383 ERA last year. 24% K rate. You know, still has you know a good you know good curveball, good cutter. So yeah, I think this is a really really good move for. Um, for Kluber's value this year, I think that pushes him up. He was going at ADP, uh, where was it? I think past 33. Well, yeah, 433. That, that's got to be up, yeah, you know, near 300 now. So, do you think that's a, a, a good move, Kluber going to Tampa Bay? Yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, obviously, anybody who you know goes to the to the Rays, especially pitchers, you, you kind of uh, you know, they get a little Tampa Bay boost there. Um, I think that we could see him kind of repeat the the line with that he just did this last year with the Yankees, three eight three ERA and about a strikeout per inning. Um, now that was only over eighty innings, but if you know, you know that the Rays are going to put him in in a position to do his best, whether it's you know limiting him to 130, 140 innings. But yeah. I, I think they could be a, a hundred and thirty, hundred and forty, you know, pretty quality innings there. Uh, in, in Tampa Bay. So yeah, they, I love the landing spot and uh, yeah, you're definitely going to see his ADP go up. Yeah. I, I think that ha- having the Rays limit him, like they do most of their arms, like you mentioned mm-hmm. that 130, 140, maybe 150 tops range. I think this is only going to do wonders for Kluber. Now he's 35, almost 36 now. And I think that's definitely going to help him maybe stay healthier than he has over the last few years. But yeah, he's still a solid arm, you know, decent enough ERA, decent enough K rate. Again, he's, far from what he used to be when he was kind of peak Kluber, you know, back, you know, five, six years ago, but still, a, I think he could be a back end top 50 arm. I think that's definitely possible. So there, yeah, definitely a guy yeah, outside of the top 300 that I'm really, really going to be targeting now, though. I'm sure I won't be alone there. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on both Matt's and Kluber here? Yeah. And Matt's going to a great defense. You mentioned the gold glovers and even at 
if they stick with Edmundo Sosa at shortstop, he was a, he probably would have won a Gold Glove. He had played all year. Like he was, he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. So he's only benefited by that because Matt's is such a heavy ground ball pitcher. So going to a good infield is a great place for him. I think that'd be a good fit. But like you said, I've never been a huge Matt's fan, so it's kind of tough for me to buy in on him. Kluber, I like the move. Like you said, I don't know. My fear is that Tampa like limits him to like four innings per start, but. If Could not, be. if they let him, and that's my fear, is they just didn't get any wins. I do mm-hmm. think he's still got it in him. I mean, we've, we've seen the resurgence with, like, Morton and Tampa Bay. Like, it's certainly there for guys to, and they do a good job with that. I don't know. I just don't know how much they limit him. Guess we'll see. Maybe with the incentives in the deal that they'll let him pitch, and we'll see. I hope they'll do enough to keep him healthy and let him do his things. I'm, I, I like the landing spot a lot. Yeah, and I think there's going to be. I don't know if they limit them quite as much as we thought because they don't really have as of as of now. Obviously, they could sign another na- arm or two here, but right now, Kluber's are number three. Outside of McClanahan, they have Drew Rasmussen, Corey Kluber, Brian Yarbrough, who is very blah, and then Luis Patino is their starting five. So not as much depth here as they usually have because McKay is hurt again, had surgery. He's probably out all you know all next year, or at least most of it. Can't count on him anymore. Glass now is probably missing most of the year or all of it. So. Not as much depth as usual here in Hippa Bay, so that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and how much they do use Kluber and how much they might limit him. Um, quickly here before we hit the break, though, the Adam Frazier deal is kind of intriguing to me because you know, when the trade went down, everyone's like, oh, yay, more playing time for Hasyan Kim. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily the case because Frazier was used mostly in the outfield last year. They still have out there Will Myers, Profar is still there, Grisham, obviously. Cronenworth and Tatis in the middle infield spot. So I don't know. Do you, do you guys see any value for Hassan Kim right now? Cause I'm still like, he's off the radar for me, George. Uh, how about you? Well, I think, you know, uh, a lot of this is going to depend on that uh, universal DH that could be coming uh, with yeah. the CBA. Uh, I, I think a lot's going to depend on that. Now you kind of look at their outfield and I, I think, I, I mean, they're probably best served with Fernando Tatis moving out there. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen, that he wants to make that move. Uh, I, I do kind of like Haseon Kim. I mean, you, he's entering his age 26 season, his second year in the majors. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a bit of potential there still. He had a 112 max exit velo kind of, you know, might mean good things to come uh, later on. But yeah, I think maybe second year in the majors. It's just one of those things where, you know, we – we didn't see so much in the first year, but maybe he could take that next step in the second year if he can get that playing time. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on how that playing time with the DH shakes out. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Chris, what about you? Yeah, and I think that what we fail to realize is, and we just think about the players, all the stuff that goes behind a guy coming over from like the KBO. So it's a huge move and it's a huge transition in your life. So there's no telling, you know, all the things that he was dealing with on top of not getting regular playing time and not being able to get in the groove. I still like him as a player. I do think that maybe he needs a new home. Uh, Obviously I don't see them moving him, but I think he'd be better served somewhere where he could play every day. But yeah, right now it'll be interesting to see how that does shake out. But in the current state of their team, in my opinion, he'd be the first guy off that bench. So maybe he does get more plate appearances if the DH does come because, you know, as you mentioned, all the guys they have starting right now, the bench currently, According to Roster Resource, has uh, Luis Camposano, Victor Caratini, Luis uh, Libertor, Lib- I, who I don't even know who that is, to be honest. <laughs> he's a he's a Rule Five guy. Um, 
and then George Ona. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I could see, I could see Kim definitely getting the reps there. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I don't know. I think he could yeah. take a step forward. And he's one of those guys where you, you remember last year. I mean, there was so much hype, right? When he when he got signed with yep. the Padres, he was going to like a top one hundred and fifty pick. And right now, I mean, uh, I took him in a in a uh, DC on a, on NFBC, like uh, you know, in the mid the mid to late three hundreds. And uh, he's kind kind of a perfect guy in that format because he's got that third, second, and short eligibility. You know, you can't make uh, you can't make any pickups in the draft and hold. So. And he's got the eligibility, and yeah, if he gets into that playing time, he's one of those guys where you know everyone kind of forgets about because he didn't uh, meet expectations last year. And uh, yeah, like you know, second year in the majors, he could could take a step forward. So uh, if you're getting him, yeah, around three fifty or so, I, I think it's a, a good shot right there. Yeah, I, I like that range a lot, too, especially with that multi position eligibility that you mentioned. That's really huge, especially at that that far back in the you know three fifty to four hundred range. That's very big. Uh, and then real quick here. Corey Rozier is very intriguing to me. Like Chris, I think we had him. He ended up like in the fifty to sixty range in our uh, combined first year player draft rankings. Twelfth mm-hmm. round draft pick. So you know, a lot of times those guys get overlooked just because of how late they went in the draft. But really intriguing prospect that San Diego got here. Kerr is intriguing in his own right as well. Hard throwing lefty, but you know Rozier, good contact skills, can get on base, plus speed, sneaky little pop. There could be a. 15 homer guy. So I think uh, Corey Rozier is a guy that people should be targeting in the first year player drafts. Yeah. He's a, he's a great target late. I mean, one reason people didn't really know the name, you know, just one year at UNC Greensboro before getting drafted and obviously in a smaller school in the Southern conference, but he still had a dominant year. I mean, he's, he looked good prior to that in summer ball. And then he looked really, really good in his debut. So, I mean, the, the hit tool's there. He's got a very fluid swing. He's got an easy stance. Like, he just does a lot of things very simple and does them well, and he's got a lot of speed to burn. And he generates not a ton of power, but enough power to be relevant, I think. I mean, he hit 12 home runs and 249 plate appearances in college, and while he just hit three last year and 144 plate appearances in low A, you know, still, it's it's a start, but he's got the speed to burn. He'll get a lot of extra base hits, and he can still use some bags. He's very efficient on the base pass, so... Yeah, when you get later into FYPD, I think he's a great target. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into some New York Mets talk and, of course, talk about Georgia's San Francisco Giants. So don't go anywhere. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. All right, welcome back from the break. Uh, George Montanez here. Let's get into his San Francisco Giants team that won 107 games, made a nice little playoff run there, but unfortunately it came to an end against the Los Angeles Dodgers on a very borderline questionable check swing call. Not to bring up bad memories for you, George, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was very, very questionable. But still, I think you know, as a Giants fan, you had to have been happy with how that year, how the year played out, right? Like 107 wins, best team in baseball. I don't think anyone really saw that coming, you know, when the season started. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you you could have asked me before the season, I, I had zero expectations for that team this year. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm just you know <laughs> straight up. I, I thought it was gonna be you know another rebuilding year, uh, you know uh, another year to send um, you know Posey and Crawford and Belt out there, and you know for the fans and 
see how the young guys develop. But no, I mean, they blew away expectations. And I think, you know, Gabe Kapler and the, you know, the kind of more analytically driven coaching staff that he's brought to San Francisco has really, really made um, a big difference. And, you know, you've seen guys like Crawford and, and Belt now having career years. It's, it's been, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun season. Unfortunately, um, you know, it, it ended the way that it did, but Hey, I mean, five game series against the Dodgers. It, it was fun. I, I was there in uh, Arizona watching with a, a bunch of the guys there. Um, I'm not sure. Were, were, were you guys there watching? You guys were at a baseball game. Huh? We we were there for part of it. But yeah. Then we ended up yeah. going out to uh, one of the games, but yeah, yeah that, that was fun. It was, you also had uh, obviously Justin Mason and Danielle. They're both, uh-huh. or, uh, they're both huge giants fans as well. So it was fun. Not only it was a great series, regardless if you had any Dodgers or giants fans there, but just to have, you know, some hardcore, you know, diehard fans there as well made it even that much more fun to watch yeah yeah it was a blast but yeah i mean you know really fun season and um you know they they you know bringing back bell and crawford um we'll, we'll see if if they can repeat i mean they obviously you can't you can't out for 107 wins again it was just you know everything just kind of had to go right and and it really did um but yeah i mean you know i'm still still excited for the future of the club yeah you, you had a lot of players just really click this year like Brandon Crawford, who I've always thought this is a really, really good player, both sides of the ball. Got that you know, every team needs a Brandon Crawford, but I never saw him finishing fourth in the National League MVP voting. He even even got some. Did, did he get like some second place votes too? I think it might have been yeah. from both both the San Francisco uh, writers on there, but still, like a guy that finished fourth behind you know Tatis, Harper, and Juan Soto. I never saw that coming. And you got like Lamont Wade and just those types that just really contributed. You know, even if it wasn't huge in, in the box score but just all around and plus that pitching staff like you mentioned which is where we're kind of going to focus a lot of this on they've already resigned two guys here uh, anthony de Sclafani resigned for three years 36 million alex wood two years 20 how are you feeling about those two signings there george for uh, fantasy purposes i love it i i absolutely love it i mean you know it, it's just one of those things that absolutely makes sense these are two guys that that came over and uh, you know, really found success with the Giants and, and that coaching staff that, you know, really helped them out. And it, you feel good when a, a guy goes to a club, does better. And, you know, obvi- you know that team's going to know them best. The Giants know these guys best right now, Descalfani and, and Wood. And so, you know, for them to bring them back, it just kind of tells you how much confidence they have in them. You know, San Francisco was a perfect place for Descalfani. He you know, historically has been crushed by left-handed uh hitters and you know hitting in i mean pitching in cincinnati it 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 was just it was terrible for him uh so san francisco you know typically a little harder on left-handed hitters just kind of made perfect sense and and it all worked for him now it's funny because he was amazing last year against every team except for the dodgers i mean he was (laughs) for whatever reason i mean the the dodgers just had his number They, they saw him well uh, 7.33 ERA against them. Yeah, I mean, so if you're gonna play Descalfani, just you know when to sit him. <laughs> sit him against yeah, the right. Because um, <laughs> he had a, a 2.37 ERA uh, over about 140 innings against all non-Dodgers teams. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I really like that. I think uh, Descalfani and, and Wood are you know pretty good uh, in you know 15 team leagues. You're, you're looking at maybe SP four or five which I think is, you know, pretty solid. And, you know, like I said, I, I think it just says a lot to know, uh, to see the Giants bringing them back. Um, you know, I'm not so sure I would have as much confidence if, if the Giants, you know, let them go, especially considering that after, you know, they only had Logan Webb coming back after the season, he was the only pitcher under contract. And so for them to, 
maybe kind of let Destefani and would you know sign elsewhere would really kind of tell me a lot about um you know how maybe they feel about them but for them to bring them back yeah i, I think that um i think that that's you know it's looking pretty good yeah how do, how do you feel about their adps though like look Right now, De Slavani's ADP is 227, Wood uh, about 10 picks later, 238 on average here. You know, with me, you know, Wood, I don't know, Wood's a guy I've never really targeted just because, you know, he's been so inconsistent with injuries over the years, even performance-wise. Like, when he's on, he's on, but we've seen the downside to to him as well. And with De Slavani, I just don't know if the Ks are quite there. Like, you look at, you know, he only had one pitch. Last year had a whiff rate above 30%, and that was a slider at 32.2. Second highest was his fastball at 22.7. So not not a big whiff guy. You know, ERA indicators were all like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 higher. So do you think his ADP right now is a bit high, or do you think that's a good range for him? Uh, I think it's a pretty decent range for him. You know, you make a good point with Alex Wood. You kind of have to expect, you know, no more than maybe 140 innings or so. Uh, he's got that history. I know he he missed like uh, I want to say it was he missed like a good two three weeks with COVID um, this last year. But uh, yeah, it's kind of always just kind of been something here and there with with Wood. So I, I think I'm a little more confident as far as volume goes with with Descafani. Um, I yeah, you're right. You know he's not gonna get he's not gonna you know blow anybody away with with all the strikeouts. But yeah, I, I think it's solid SP five or so. I I, I think um, yeah, I think I like I like him there. Yeah, I, I definitely, in, in that range, I would definitely be more inclined to take De Scalfani over Wood. Like I said, Wood's great, and I love you know, the strikeouts, but it's just so inconsistent. So I, I kind of like to stay away from Wood there. If he was going like, you know, 50 picks later, maybe. But yeah, definitely prefer De Scalfani over Wood in that range. Chris, what, what are your thoughts on these two? Yeah, I think it's a good signing. I think what the Giants have done has been incredible with these arms. And, you know, Wood rebounded very strong last year. And honestly, if you just – don't start Descafani against the Dodgers in, in course Field. You'll be all right. I think he pitched like a two-something ERA outside of those, those starts against L.A. and then in course. So, yeah, I mean, certainly echo everything you said there. It's uh, great moves for sure. Kind of reminds me of like the Tyler Molly splits where it was like oh, yeah. at, home, at home outside of Great American Ballpark. He was, I mean, on the road, excuse me, outside of Great American Ballpark. He had an ERA of like, under two and then at home it was like six and a half or something ridiculous to the point where like you just couldn't start him at home i think he had two quality start two or three quality starts out of like 15 starts at home last year it was something ridiculous like that but um yeah moving on to the the one name that was in this in this rotation you know before they resigned scafani and wood logan webb i've seen a lot of varying opinions on web people think that he was overperform people think he's a top 10 starter i've seen him anywhere from like the back end of the top 10 to like in the mid thirties It's really weird how much of a range there is on Logan Webb. So George, what are you, what are your thoughts on Webb? Are you buying what he kind of showed us this past year? And you think he can be, you know, one of those in that, you know, back end ACE high end SB two range this year. Yeah. So, I mean, everything that we saw from Webb this year just screams, you know, it, 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 he has all the signs of an ace in the making, you know, a 3.03 ERA backed up by, you know, 2.72 FIP, 2.79 XFIP, 60.9% ground ball rate. He's got that singer, that sinker slider changeup combo um, that you love to see uh, really improve the walk rate this year, 6% walk rate. Uh, you, you know, you know, he's tied to that ballpark to that team. So, uh, you know, obviously a good spot to pitch in. The thing is, the track record and, and can he do it over 200 innings? And so for me, 
I, I'm not sure I'm willing to take him as my ace. You know, if he's my SP2, uh, you know, I, I, I'm buying him, you know, a, as an SP2. But if he's the, I, I'm not so sure I'm confident in taking him as my SP1 right now. Um, just because the the lack of track record and, you know, we haven't seen him do it over a full season. Can can he do it over 180 to 200 innings? You know, if, if that's what you need from an ace. Um, and so, yeah, I think that he's got the tools. Um, he's got the ability. I, th- I think he's a phenomenal pitcher. But, you know, I, I think that we still need to see it. I, we still need to see it um, a little longer from him. Yeah, no, that's fair. And with with Logan Webb, he's a guy that I had him more on like the, I think the 25, 26 range in my rankings when I first is my rough draft first go at my 2022 starting pitcher rankings. But ever since then, I moved him up right around 19 or 20 now because I was really thinking like, all right, yeah, maybe the, the K rate isn't going to be super high. Maybe it's 25, 26% guy. But I think the low three ERA range is, is pretty realistic for him. The ERA indicators backed up what he did this past year. So I was like, all right, what is the huge difference between him and a like, guy we just talked about, Sandy Alcantara? Like, I don't think there's this mm-hmm. massive gap where I, I have Alcantara as my top 10 arm. So I'm like, why do I have Webb? I do like Alcantara more, but why do I have Webb 15 pitchers below him? So I kind of got to thinking of like pitchers that I, I see as having similar skill sets, similar, you know, projections for 2022. And I don't think there's like big of a gap. So yeah, I, I 100% agree. I won't take him as my ace, but. For an ADP of uh, 57.6, he's the 18th starting pitcher off the board. I think that's fair. Um, I, I think I could take him in that range after maybe a little – maybe I like it a little later. Maybe it's more closer to 70, but I think as the 18th arm off the board. I think that's definitely fair. 20th if you include the two uh, relievers, Hader and Hendricks, going ahead of him as well. Chris, what are your thoughts? Do you think Webb can be you know a back-end ace, high-end SP2 for 2022 and for Dynasty moving forward? Yeah, and I didn't, and I, I was digging into him the other night, and I was a little surprised. You know, I was surprised when Steve first came out, and he was a projected at 3.380 RA. Well, that seemed really low, but, you know, when you, you look at what he did, you look at the tangible changes he made. He made significant changes in Arsenal last year, started using the stinker significantly more, which put his ground ball rate up over 60%, and the slider he used significantly more as well. He nearly doubled that usage up to 28%. Last season, which obviously aided his strikeouts, did a good job of getting a lot of swings out of the zone. And, you know, some, somebody questioned me on Twitter, well, that, that O swing is not sustainable, but it is because he pinpoints the the command so well on it. Yeah, It's not like he's throwing it way out of the zone and people are just going to stop swinging. Like, he's pinpointing, you look at his heat map on his slider, and he just commands it really well. He gets puts in a great location to get swing and misses. So, yeah, naturally, he's going to have a decently high O swing. And it, his O swing wasn't outrageous last year, so... Don't expect that to go down. And even if he is just a, a 25% K rate guy, and you know, last year was 26 and a half. So if he sits around 25%, I think he's still extremely valuable. Metrics back up what we're seeing and the changes that he made with his arsenal. So yeah, I think that he could be a low three ZRA. And how many innings? I don't know. Maybe he does push 180. I mean, with the playoffs last year, he pitched 163 innings. So wouldn't surprise me to see him bump up to, to 185. I don't think that's unrealistic to, to think of him. So, yeah, 185 with a good ERA. I really like to see that. So, like you mentioned, Alcantara is going to be more innings most likely. But there's a lot to like with Webb, and I think there's reason to draft him as an SP2. Yeah, I've definitely come around. Not, not that I didn't like Webb, but, yeah, definitely I moved him up my rankings a good six, seven spots already into my top 20, like I mentioned. So, yeah, it's like I mentioned, it's I don't think there's a huge gap between, like, 
And what we were just saying about him, we, we were saying some more things about Alcantara in terms of low three ERA, 25, 26, 27% K rate. Yeah, I think he's definitely a, a solid SP2 for sure. This year. If I could have him as my SP2, I would be happy about that. Let's just say that. Moving out to the bullpen here, another really hot name in 2022 draft so far, Camilo Doval, uh, who is currently going off the board as the 13th reliever with an ADP of 162. Some of you know, in some DM groups, I'm in. Some people think he's a little bit overrated. Other think he's gonna be, you know, a breakout top ten arm. You know, it's kind of hard to, you know, go against that with how he looked at the end of the year. He's electric stuff. He had a three, uh, three ERA right on the nose last year. Thirty three point nine percent K rate. You know, it had a forty point three percent whiff rate on the slider. He's just a four seam slider guy. George, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Doval? Do you think that the range he's going right now is pretty fair? And would you feel comfortable taking him as, you know, in near the top 150 overall? Oh, man, that is tough. Um, you know, I, we, the thing is, we saw him, you know, get that ninth inning role over basically the last week of the season. Uh, just because Jake McGee was, you know, coming off the IL. And Duvall had been lights out all month. And he, for, to me, it was like, you know, well, going into the playoffs, it was, you know, why, why change it right now? You know, it's working uh, again, McGee just coming off the IL. Um, I'm not so sure that I'm willing to take Duvall in the top 100, uh, top 150 right now. I mean, you've seen the way, even with the way closers are being pushed up, I just, I don't see, I know it worked out this last year for Jake McGee. You know, he got a ton of saves, but I just have a feeling that, um, you know, it, we're going to see it spread around a little bit more next year. Um, I, I think that, you know, it would not surprise me one bit to to see uh, McGee get that uh, ninth inning role to start the year again next year, next season. I mean, because you, know, you look how good, uh, how good Duvall was. I mean, it's not uncommon to see, you know, the best strikeout pitcher, you know, getting out of jams in the seventh, eighth inning. Um, yep. And it, you know, being, you know, 24 years old, not very much experience. And we kind of see what can happen when uh, the fastball is not on point. You know, he, he just could not throw one against Bellinger there in the playoffs. And yeah, I, I don't know that we're going to see a, a closer get over 20 saves. I think it's uh, with the giants next season. I mean, when they had, as many wins as they did last year and a team like the giants play a lot of close games. So we saw this team get a lot of saves, you know, between McGee and um, I think Tyler Rogers even had uh, like over 10 saves. So yeah, I could definitely see the situation being a little bit more spread out next year. Um, I'm not so sure I'm going to be targeting any of them. I, I think there's still going to be a phenomenal bullpen. I think Duvall is going to be a, a great pitcher, but as far as saves go, I'm, I don't think I'm taking them in the top 150. Like, if I'm taking a, a, someone in the top 150 that's going right around that range, like, give me Craig Kimbrell. Give me someone that I know yeah. is going to go somewhere, and he's going to be the closer. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally in agreement with you there. And I even looked, you know, over the last two weeks, his ADP has bumped up to 138. So it's already gone up. Like, it's, yeah. closers are getting pushed up more and more every week, it seems like. So, yeah, top 150, I'm out. I like the arm in general. I think he mm-hmm. could be, you know, I think he's one of the, you know, top 25 relievers in baseball. I think he could be that level. I love the stuff, the fastball slider combination, but yeah, I, I don't, I'm a, in agreement that just McGee and Rogers are still there. It's not like they, they went anywhere. So I think there could be a lot of like matchup plays there with, you know, the lefties and the righties they have out there. And then the different look that Rogers kips with that lower arm slot. So 
I definitely think you could see maybe all three of these guys get 10 to 15 saves or so. I think that's definitely a possibility. Chris, what are your thoughts? Is uh, Duvall too risky for you at this ADP? 100%. I mean, and it was such a small sample last year that it could have been completely fluky. I'm not saying that he's not a good pitcher, but I'm not taking the chance there. Yeah, I think I think so. If he was going, let's say two hundred, would you be uh, still too high? I, I, I think I'd take him like round two fifty. Okay, so you're not getting much in any draft. <laughs> no, no, I don't think, I don't think there's I always going to be one person that's very high on him. It seems in every draft. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. And look at look at some of the look at some of the arms around him. Not even not even relievers, but this the arms around him in general. Kimbrel is going about thirteen picks higher. It's over the last two weeks. 13 picks higher. And then some of the starters around him, Nathan Eovaldi, Logan Gilbert, Framber Valdez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Chris Bassett, Blake Snell, Marcus Stroman, Gallon's going about 15 picks below him. So yeah, a lot of good arms in that range um, where I might be taking a reliever, you know, one of the relievers in that tier above him, like maybe the uh, Edwin Diaz tier, maybe even Craig Kimbrell, but yeah, I think in this particular range of the draft, like 140, give or take 10, 15 picks, I think that's more of a, a starter range for me as opposed to getting Camilo Duvall. Um, moving on here, a guy that I saw you tweet about recently, George, and one we kind of mentioned earlier, Brandon Belt. The dude, I've always been a big Brandon Belt guy. Like you see, like the power has always been there, but he just can never stay on the field, you know, full time just to get, you know, kind of like he always has like the, the good, like, per 162 stats, whatever, but never could really stay in the field long enough to kind of put together that season that was like, all right, boom, there's that Brendan Belt season. And th- and this year, I think he might be even a value. I don't know, maybe a value. His ADP right now is around 215, 216 range. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you like that value there for Brendan Belt? I, I think obviously he could be a top 100 player if he plays like 140 games, but we've seen that's a very – risky thing something that probably you shouldn't bet on but how do you feel about belt this year at that adp i think it's appropriate i i think that's the the adp is appropriate that's uh, kind of where i'm uh, willing to take him right now but yeah i think right now what we're seeing from belt is just him uh, he's just been a very good hitter uh since the start of 2020 you know he's been you know top three since the start of that season top three in ops uh, with a 285, 393, 595 line, 38 home runs, over 560 plate appearances. The biggest question there is the health, right? Uh, the, the Giants have kind of been putting, you know, their whole team in a position where they're going to be, you know, uh, the best position to succeed. And even if that means Belt uh, sits against the occasional lefty, um, I, I think he's, you know, if, if he can get, you know, at 500 to 550 plate appearances, I think he's going to be a tremendous pick after 200, you know, ju- just outside the top 200. Uh, but that's the biggest question mark. And I'm hoping that, you know, that the uh, DH and the, and the NL can, can help that can help alleviate some of the, the health concerns that if he can, um, you know, just, just be a, a DH now and then. But uh, yeah, I, I think right around 200 is a good spot for him. Chris, what are your thoughts? Are you buying belt at that range? Uh, I want to because you, know, you mentioned every stat you mentioned it, he looks legit, but the yeah, I worry about him sitting against lefties, the injuries. I don't know. It's first base is such a wasteland though at this point. Like after you get out of the top tier guys, it's like I don't know. You kind of have to, and that's what I think why he's pushed up. If he plays a full season, he could be absolutely insane. So he's he's a tough one to evaluate for me, and you know now entering age thirty four season. It, he could go either way, so I'm kind of torn on on how I feel about him. Still, still need to look through him a little more. 
Yeah, I, I'm just hoping for a 140 games played season out of Brandon Bell. That could be, you know, 30 plus home runs, bunch of counting sets. He had 29 home runs last year and 381 yeah. <laughs> plate appearances. You look at, you know, the hard hit rate has been, you know, 45, 46% in the last couple of years. His slugging was 597 last year. X slug's been well over 500 each of the last two years. He's been the top 2% of the league in Woba each of the last two years and X Woba Con. Like all of the, you know, the, the walk rate has been, you know, obviously well over 10% every year of his career. Key rate's been, you know, it did go up a little bit last year, but still been, you know, n- never been an issue. So, Barrel rate seventeen percent last year, sixteen point eight percent in twenty twenty. Yeah, just give me one hundred and forty game. Give me like five hundred and fifty play appearances. Yeah, Brendan Belt. That would be like thirty five to forty home runs. You know, ninety RBI, ninety runs scored. Solid enough batting average. God, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Because I've I've always been a Belt guy, dating way back to when he, he broke in. You know, what was that? Two thousand and what? 12, 13, whenever he debuted several years back. So always been a belt guy. So I'm really hoping for that year for him this year. I'll be, I'll probably be, have a few shares of Brandon Belt if that's the uh, ADP range for him. Now, real quick, I know that I'm kind of going off script here, but since you are a Giants fan, George, looks like with po- Posey retiring, we, we got Joey Bart coming in probably as the starting catcher. Chris and I have talked about him recently on the podcast. I want to get your quick take on him. Are you a Joey Bart guy? Do you like him as, you know, maybe not a starting catcher this year, but two catcher formats like like they have on NFBC would you, would he be a a really good you know second catcher for you oh man the, he's tough he's tough because I mean you know he's got a ton of swing and miss still I I think he still needs a little bit more seasoning um I'm not so sure I I'm, I'm, would be confident in taking him a, as my second catcher I'm just I could definitely see the Giants you know kind of leaning a bit on Kirk Casale and bringing in another catcher I think someone like Jan Gomes would be perfect um, yeah. Someone like Jan Gomes would, would be perfect to kind of, uh, you know, uh, take that catcher spot until Bart is ready. I, I hope that, you know, obviously as a Giants fan, I hope that Bart can, you know, continue to develop and and be that that hitter that, you know, they drafted him to be. But uh, right now, I'm just not sure we're seeing it yet. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think he still has a bit of seasoning to go. Uh, for me, it, it's I'm probably not taking him as my as my second catcher. Really? Okay. Um, you know, I think, yeah, definitely they could bring somebody in, Kirk Asali, definitely there as well. But I think if he does get the role and he plays, you know, like 110, 120 games or so, I think, yeah, maybe the average. I, I definitely agree. The the approach has not been great. So I think the average will be a, a bit lower and he's never been a high OBP guy. But maybe 120 games, 450 or so plate appearances could be a 25 homer bat. I think that power still there. He's definitely intriguing to me. But, yeah, I definitely echo a lot of what you just said there. Uh, moving on here to our last segment before we end the show, the New York Mets, who took you know about four years to find a GM, signed three guys to twenty plus million dollar contracts in the span of like eight hours or so. They got Eduardo Escobar, two years, twenty million. Mark Conher, Conha, two years, twenty six and a half million. And then the bigger one, Starling Marte, which came in at like eleven p.m. that night. Four years, seventy-eight million. That's a great deal, I think, for Marte. Even with him being about thirty-three years old, you know, Chris, I'll go over to you first here. You know, out of these three, like, what were your thoughts in general on these three moves for fantasy this year? Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're great moves. Uh, it, it's such a Mets thing to do. I feel like they kind of do this thing every year where they kind of bring in these guys. I wonder the success level. I mean, you look at the age on all these guys, and they're all going to be <laughs> thirty-three this year. 
Yes, and someone tweeted someone tweeted at me the the other day. They're like, "Is this the oldest team in the league?" I'm like, "Yeah, probably." <laughs> yeah, the most <laughs> expensive team. They're going to end up having one of the biggest payrolls in baseball, which is interesting. But I, I don't know. I mean, Escobar has obviously been pretty solid. He'll yeah, he'll be 33 in January. I wonder. I mean, he's got power. We've seen. Wonder what kind of average he hits for. I mean, yeah, he may play all over the diamond. I think he's going to be their third baseman. We'll see on that. I mean, Mark Canna obviously has great OBP skills. Like, he's constantly on base. And we've seen that. And he had a little bit of a down year uh, this year and even last year as well. His big year, his really only big season was 2019. But he still gets on base at a high clip, which could be something that the Mets really need. But, I mean, shoot, his his slug last year was only 20 points higher than his OBP, which is kind of interesting. I do think moving out of Oakland and to New York does help a little bit for the home run power. And he even stole last year, which is interesting. He stole 12 bags. I wouldn't even, ex- you know, I would not expect him to steal many bases. And Starling Marte, uh, he's the interesting one. You know, we, we know the speed eight doesn't age well. So I just wonder at one point does the speed decline? I mean, he, he turned 33 in October. So how successful will he be on the bags? Like he's, he's been super successful at a consistent rate throughout the years, but I do wonder when the decline comes and if it hits hard, I don't know how he'll be for fantasy asset because so much of that relies, or so much of his fantasy value at least relies on his stolen bases. Obviously he got a great field hit. He's going to hit for good average. The power should again play up a little more in city field, but I do wonder about the stolen bases, what he'll, how much he'll run, you know, moving forward. And again, four years, that's an interesting contract on a, a player that's already 33. So I don't know. We'll yeah. see how it plays out. I think it's a very Mets move straight yeah. there. Um, and that, like you said, I think they have already a top five payroll in baseball. And let's look at their rotation now. They, you know, obviously, you know, it doesn't sound like Strowman's coming back. Matt's already left town. So as of now, they got obviously Jacob DeGrom as their ace. And then after that, it's like Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, Tyler McGill, David Peterson. Not a lot of like stability there. Like all have shown, you know, good spurts, but Carrasco is getting older, can't stay healthy recently. You know, McGill, who knows of what he showed was for real. He was very fluctuant last year. Taiwan Walker as your two, no thanks. Maybe as my four, but that was my two. So they still need to go out and get some arms there if they want to compete. And they're already, I think they're at 225 million for next year. Um, so yeah, that's a give me to see how they, they end the offseason here with getting some pitching, but George, when, when it comes to uh, Marte, you know, I was looking at his his ADP uh, right now. He's the tenth outfielder off the board with an ADP of about twenty eight or so. Obviously, the the speed he showed, you know, second half of last year was huge, and that was a, a league winner with the speed he brought. But do you think that ADP is a bit too high for twenty twenty two? I mean, I don't know if it's too high. But I think that um, personally, I'm probably not going to have much of Marte. I'm pretty much right in agreement with Chris. You know, age 33, uh, tied a career high with 47 steals. So, I mean, and you kind of always have to expect him to miss, you know, a good uh, 30 games or so. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, typically guys, you know, don't get any healthier as, as they age. Right. I mean, the health risk doesn't go down. Um, so, I mean, it's tough because he's definitely, you know, when he's on the field, you, you know, how good he is, you know, how much speed he provides, you know, he is going to hit for a good average. 
um, hitting in that lineup, he's going to score runs. But yeah, I, I think there's just a bit more risk there that um, that I'm willing to gamble on at, at that ADP. But I mean, if you want him, that's that's just where you're going to have to take him. Yeah, and and, w- and with these three signings here, that kind of brings up a lot of playing time questions because now it looks like riding the bench as of now, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith. They got Robinson Cano coming back. They're obviously going to try to start him because of what they're paying him. So who knows how much playing time those three get. And they're all three intriguing bats. So maybe one or two of them gets dealt for uh, an arm. I think that definitely could be possible. But, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, of question marks here. So I won't be opposed to taking those guys late, just hoping they do get traded. Like J.D. Davis is still, I think, a pretty solid bat. He's shown at times the the power he can bring to the table. Dom Smith as well. McNeil really fell off, but used to be a, a really good contact hitter. So, all three intrigue me. So if they're like really, really falling late in drafts, I would be okay taking them. Um, just, just in like more of the draft and hold types. But um, yeah, really want to see how I want them to get traded. Like at least one. Of the, I'd hope they get JD Davis out of there. He's the one I, I, I'm intrigued by the most. So hopefully they do uh, make a trade or two here. But um, what about G- George, Chris? Do you guys any of those guys really stand out to you for uh, 2022? Out of those three, the the guys that have been sent to the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved J.D. Davis' bat. I think Cano's obviously the D.H. Like, there's no way he's going to play in the field. I don't think. Uh, yeah, we'll see. If, if, if there's, yeah, if there's a D.H., yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's 100% going to be the D.H. McNeil, I think, is going to play all over the place. He'll get enough reps where I think he's still going to get playing time. I'm not overly concerned about that. I do think Davis or Dom might get dealt. That would be interesting. Uh, Davis could fit an American League team for sure. Which, you know, now with the DH, he could really fit anywhere if the DH does end up coming. Dom, I just wonder, I don't know. He had the awesome 2020, and I just wonder how much of it was was fluky. I, I'm not really sure. So I guess we'll see. But yeah, they're, they're interesting. George, what about you? Any, any of those guys intrigue you, George? Yeah, I actually I actually do like uh, Dominic Smith. I mean, you, you kind of, you, you got to think a move is coming um you're looking at you know canna and uh nimmo on the corners with Marte in the middle and uh you know if uh cano is going to be the dh then maybe jeff mcneil uh, is you know makes most sense to slot back in there at second base and so yeah where does that leave jd davis where does that leave uh dominic smith um you gotta hope that a deal is coming but yeah I, dominic smith is for me is is one of those guys that you know had a down season but um, sometimes taking guys off a down season is the best time to take them. You, he kind of underperformed his stats a bit. I mean, 244 average, but 262 expected batting average, 363 slugging, but a 419 expected slug. Um, yeah, and you got to think that he's going to get, you know, first base eligibility, whether it's there with the Mets or if he's traded. I uh, don't see a team, you know, trading him for him and expecting him to be an everyday outfielder. Um, so, I mean, yeah, multi-position eligibility will definitely help. So, uh, yeah, I, I like uh, probably of these guys, I like Dom Smith. Uh, I actually took him in uh, my DC that I'm currently in uh, right around pick 300. That's pretty fair, especially if he gets traded into a, a starting role. Maybe and I, everyone likes to bring up Cleveland. Like, oh, Cleveland has the arms. They need some some bats. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a trade. I, I, I'd be willing to bet a high amount of money that at least one of these three, probably more so Davis, or Smith, because like we mentioned, 
McNeil can play second base if Cano moves to DH and he's more valuable. It can more versatility than the other two that bring. So, yeah, I'd be willing to bet a high amount of money that one of those between Davis or Dom Smith get dealt before we hit spring training here. We'll, we'll see how the CBA plays out. That might put a hold on things as that's coming up here in about two, two or three days. Um, but that's going to wrap us up. Thanks to everyone for listening again this week. We hope you enjoyed it. George, this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, real quick, what do you uh, let everybody know what you got going on and where they can find your, your all your stuff? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This was a blast. Uh, you know, can't wait to do it again. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. Uh, right now, don't really have a whole lot going on. Just kind of enjoying the off season, relaxing. Um, uh, we will be working on the uh, uh, NBC Sports Edge um, magazine uh, starting next month. So look for that early next year. Um, and yeah, just uh, can't wait to get the season rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. You know, so you're one of one of our favorite people in the industry. It was great to meet you finally after talking with you, you know, on Twitter for the last what two years or so, two three years, yeah. whatever it's been, and finally getting to meet you and, and Simeon and then others for the first time this year. That was phenomenal. Can't wait till next year so we get to hang out again, um, and maybe even Florida if that if they have it in Florida, who knows? But um, definitely Arizona. That's always a blast. Again, thanks, everyone, for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I know we all did. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Again, George is at Roto underscore Nino. I am at Aircross04. Chris is at Roto Clegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of Chris and I's written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. You're craving Church's three-piece classic? There's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?